Hey now, and happy new year. We are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, Dada, with your WWE Day 1 Instant Analysis. That's right, getting over is kicking off 2022 the right way with the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, and vintage Chris Vanini here to break down everything that happened Saturday night of New Year's Day with WWE's first pay-per-view, excuse me, premium live event of the calendar year. We will be talking everything that went down during day one in Atlanta, including the most notable absence WWE has had from a pay-per-view, sorry, premium live event in quite some time. We have a loaded show for you. We're both here a little bit tired coming out of some New Year's Eve bowl games that we attended last night, but we are very excited to bring this instant analysis to you. Now, for any potential first-time listeners, a little bit of a reminder, we here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, we do these instant analysis a little bit different than other shows. Other shows, hey, we're professional, kind of kick up our feet and, and make sure we just give you really high quality content. We do that still on this show, but we also pop open a cold one. And to kick off 2022, I am drinking my favorite beer from my favorite brewery, which unfortunately closed down for good a couple weeks ago. I have my Due South Brewing Caramel Cream Ale, formerly existed in Boynton Beach, Florida. So I ended 2021 and I'm starting off 2022 on a little bit of a sour note from a beer perspective. Chris, what do you have over there? I've got a local thing as well. It's a Bishop Cider, which is uh, here in the Dallas area, I think. And um, it's a it's a peach tea cider. So it's pretty good. I actually opened it before we started, but um, that does sound like a good. Texas cider, right? something sweet tea related, right? That fits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bishop cider in uh, in the Dallas area. I got the peach tea made with peaches from Fredericksburg, Texas. Hey, by the way, happy new year. Happy new year. Thank you. Thank you. So, folks, we have a huge instant analysis show for you today. You want to talk about a newsworthy premium live event? Well, we got one uh, with WWE day one. Before we get to that, and we're going to get to it momentarily, a reminder, just like in 2020, just like in 2021, in 2022, the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. It's all about defiance. So please, folks. Stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. Go back to being marks for the Silver King, for Vintage, for Getting Over please leave a five-star rating for us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We are almost at 100 ratings for Spotify. That's the key number. We're so, so close. Please do it for us to start 2022. And because we know you love these instant analysis episodes. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. If you did, you would have heard we did a very special WWE Day 1 live pre-show on Twitter Spaces. We didn't announce it ahead of time, unfortunately. We were able to get it in today. Also, we normally do pre-show polls. I forgot. I was very busy. There's been a lot of bowl games going on. But we always do post-show polls for pay-per-views. And right now, uh, that poll is still open and people are voting in it as we tape this podcast. So, Chris, let's get this thing underway. Let's start with the pre-show expectation grades. Now, like I said, I did forget to send it out. That's my fault. My bad. 
Okay, I made my uh, miscue to start the year. But the truth is, the pre-show expectation grades historically are pretty much what you and I grade the show going in. So the fans, listeners would likely be right along our lines. Now, Chris, in the ultimate preview, I was a B plus coming in. You were an A minus, but we learned some pretty big news before day one went on the air that caused us to change our grades to a B for me and a B plus for you, respectively. Without giving too much of a spoiler, knowing the card as it ended up transpiring, do you feel like us downgrading it a quarter or half letter grade, whatever you want to call it, was appropriate? Yes. Uh, the way we explained it was basically, you know, in, in that in our pre-show Twitter spaces, we were like, well, you're just you're taking away a WrestleMania main event from the show. And right. you, you can't not knock it for that, no matter what. That's just that's what's happening. I'm glad we still got Brock in a match and we'll get into, you know, him winning the you know, winning the title and everything later. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it was fair to knock it a little bit down to what we did. I think so, too. So what Chris is talking about is the big news of the day. And with that, let's get into our WWE day one instant analysis, because the the biggest name on the card, at least as far as WWE is concerned, Roman Reigns tested positive for COVID-19 hours before day one. As such, he was pulled from the main event of the show. The Universal Championship was not defended. However, WWE decided to keep Brock Lesnar on the show. Not only that, they put him into the new main event, which was previously a fatal four-way for the WWE Championship between Big E, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and Bobby Lashley. That became a fatal five-way with Brock Lesnar joining the fold. And this match on paper and in reality, well, there's really only one way to describe it. Big meaty man slapping me. It was a big, meaty extravaganza plus Seth Rollins. Like, Rollins was thrown in there, but everyone else in the match was a big, meaty man who ended up slapping meat. We finally, before this match began, we saw what was coming. We got Lesnar and Lashley in the same match for the first time ever, plus Big E and his meat, plus KO and his meat. I mean, holy shit. You know, if you're going to make a replacement booking, what a booking that was. Now, Chris, before we get into what actually happened on the show, I proposed during our um, pre-show on Twitter Spaces that instead of adding Lesnar into this match, perhaps what WWE should have done is removed Lashley from the match and given us Lesnar-Lashley, the dream match that we've always wanted as the co-main event of this show, and basically created a very simple storyline where Lashley's like, Lesnar wanted an opponent. I'm ready to step up for the challenge. I've been challenging you for the last three years. It's my time. And Adam Pearce guaranteed me a chance at the winner of the WWE Championship match on Raw. It easily explains the match change and it makes sure that Lashley still gets a WWE Championship match. So Chris, before we get into what actually happened on the show, what did you think about their decision to add Lesnar to the main event? And do you think what I proposed may have been a better solution? Yeah, when we talked about this, I I liked the idea because, you know, we'd never seen Brock and Bobby and but I I think maybe like for a number one contendership or something would have worked. 
but b- because I had picked Big E to win this match you know, before the news changed, and I picked Big E to win uh, after the change. Clearly, you know, <laughs> what happened, there is uh, there was a larger change of plans, so I get why they didn't. But in the moment, yeah, I would have liked to rock Bobby or something because Bobby was a guy who had clearly been taken care of in we- recent weeks. We thought Biggie was going to win. All right, here's another way to do him in something else instead of having him lose in a fatal four-way. So I, I, I would have certainly liked it. I can see, you know, now why they didn't. Right, because they clearly had a certain plan uh, or new plan in place uh, once they rebooked this match. So let's just get into it right now. Let's stop uh, beating around the bush. Let's get into it. Preceding the match, we had Biggie cutting a passionate promo about the deck being stacked against him even more than it already was, promising to still walk out WWE champion. Owens was pissed about it. He called Lesnar's insertion into the match a travesty, especially after what he did to his best friend, Sami Zayn. I thought that was a nice kind of reference tying things in there. Lesnar then cut his own promo, but he did it like Paul Heyman style. And he said he's in the match because he's a free agent, all thanks to Heyman handling his contract when he initially returned. And he promised he would leave WWE as a champion. And he said, that's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. And as soon as he said that, because when Paul Heyman says that, he always delivered on his spoiler. As soon as Lesnar said that, I legitimately got worried. Um, Really really quick. I'm glad they mentioned that, though, because we had talked last week about what are they going to do for Brock at Mania? And I said, well, isn't isn't Brock like a free agent when he came back? He could kind of be on both shows and he can. And it was a nice they established way. It. Yes. Yeah, it was a nice kayfabe way to go back to it and use it as an explanation. So I, I appreciated that. It was. And by the way, it was also an extremely well done promo by Lesnar. Like out of all these backstage promos, you would think, all right, Big Ear or Rollins will steal it or Owens. No, Lesnar had the best one out of all of them. So credit to him. It was very entertaining. MVP also cut a promo for Lashley, who actually at the end of it dapped him up like a friend. So maybe that animosity that we saw on TV is gone or they decided not to go with it, whatever. And then Rollins was also passionate in his promo. So unless you have anything else to say about that, I'm going to keep going. Yeah, no, it was, it was good. I, I was I, I appreciated it throughout the show because, it, it you know, sometimes, you know, they don't hype up your main event enough. I appreciate them letting us know every break, hey, we've got this major match coming up. It was it was a little thing, but it helps build the anticipation. Absolutely. So let's get to the match itself. Lesnar entered last um, after the champion, Big E. He was also in the center of the graphic advertising the match, which I thought was interesting. And I did note to you before the show, but he entered well, last. He, he wasn't, he was, I saw some graphics that had Big E in the middle. I just want to put that out there. Okay. I mean, the ones I saw didn't, but whatever. Six of one doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, so Lesnar had the last entrance though. There's no question about that over the champion. The bell rang. He went on a German suplex rampage until Big E absolutely erased him out of the ring. Lashley speared Lesnar's ass through the barricade. Rollins and Owens then teamed up against Lashley. Then they hit a Topi Suicida and Apron Frog Splash onto Lesnar and then used the steel steps to knock out both guys. Then hit a double DDT on Lesnar onto the steps. Big E stood on the steps and put Lashley through the announce table with Uranagi. E kicked out of a pop-up powerbomb in the ring, got his knees up on a senton attempt from KO. But after that, Rollins flew from the opposite corner with a frog splash. 
Rollins hit his rolling elbows on E, but Lesnar countered a stomp with an F5. Then he hit E with an F5 and countered a stunner from KO into an F5. Lashley then speared Lesnar for a 2.5 count. E broke up a hurt lock that Lesnar had, sorry, that Lashley had on Lesnar and then hit the big ending on Lashley. E then went for the big ending on Lesnar, but Lesnar rolled out of it, escaped, and hit E with the F5 to beat him one, two, three, and win the WWE Championship. Then he sat up. He was pretty hurt, it seemed like, after the match, and he was laughing while Lashley was staring him down. So, Chris, I think it's the only way we can attack this is we have to do it from two completely different angles. First, let's talk about the match, the action we got, the entertainment value. Then we can move on and talk about the booking because they are completely separate things as far as I'm concerned. Yes, yes. I think think you can love one, hate the other. You can love both. You can hate both. You know, it's completely different for each person. Let's start with the match. What an absolute effing banger in every definition of the word banger, okay? Not only was it the paradigm of <laughs> there was an absolute ton of meat on meat action here. Put your meat on my meat, man. Gently now. There was nothing gentle. There was just a lot of beef out there. There's a lot of beef out here. But all five guys here, Chris, went absolutely balls to the wall. It was an A-plus match by any measure. 4.75 stars, but full, I think the first one ever, five slabs of meat here on the getting over meat scale. The work was absolutely incredible, right? It was brutal, yet somehow safe. It was exceptionally done from a technical standpoint, even though there wasn't a lot of technical wrestling. The only demerit you could possibly give it was the time. It went eight minutes and 25 seconds. And that for me is too damn short for a fatal five-way when that that type of match allows you to stretch it. That said, the eight minutes and 25 seconds that they did give us, we didn't get a second to breathe in that entire time. There were points during that match, and I'm just being honest, I was sitting there and I actually had anxiety. And I don't get anxiety. It was probably 20 minutes worth of action crammed into 825. Despite that, it should have gone on longer. Take a couple breaths. Let Ian Rollins and or Owens do some wrestling before the big guys like respawn and get back into the ring, beat the shit out of them and go to the finish. That's really my only criticism. And it's the only reason I did not give it a full five stars. Otherwise, this was a perfectly executed car crash match that harkens me back to the SummerSlam 2017 banger with Lesnar, Reigns, Braun Strowman, and Samoa Joe. Like, it's crazy that it's literally January 1st and we have a match of the year contender already, the main event of the very first pay-per-view of the year. But this was definitely that. Yeah, I mean, if you guys haven't listened to the media awards that we did uh, a couple days ago, that's still up and plenty relevant. One of the awards was the meediest moment. Of, this, was, this was it. Nothing will beat this. Year. This was it. This was the meediest yep. moment of 2022. It happened on day one of Ish. the year there, there's not going to be a uh, a meteor moment than this so so like even was, if we get even if yeah. we get just i don't want to look ahead too much but lesnar lashley lesnar big e I, you can't get meteor than this you can't get meteor than bobby lashley spring lesnar through the barricade 
Uh, and, that, and then, that, that his, and then spearing him in the ring and Biggie hitting a big ending on Lashley and KO doing a frog yeah. splash onto Lesnar. I mean, it's crazy. Yes. You mentioned the match time. Um, I, I had a bit, I had a big problem with that, 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 that we'll get into the booking, but I had a problem with that that is the shortest match on the card. Drew McIntyre and Madcap Moss was more than a minute longer, which is a separate issue we'll get into later in the show. But I was just kind of surprised when it ended so quickly. I was like, oh, whoa, that was it. It was like I was having a lot of fun and then it just kind of boom, it stopped. I was like, oh, man, I wanted like I wanted a lot more of that. And you kind of get you get it why they went balls to the walls if they had such a short period of time. But, you know, clearly whatever plan they had. Uh, change. I, I don't know what the shortest fatal five-way <laughs> match in WWE history or fatal four-way is in WWE history. This has got to be up there. Uh, so so that that's kind of disappointing. Um, but it was a heck of a lot of fun, and that's that's what you want out of a main event. And and um, and and yeah. So I, it, it it was a heck of a lot of fun. Go back and rewatch it because it doesn't take too long to watch. Oh, I'm definitely rewatching that before bed tonight. Yeah, like, I, I have yeah, to see so, it again. No, that. Yeah, that's one of those where, yeah, it happened so quickly. Everything, you know, I got to go back and double check everything. Right, exactly. I was honestly surprised I actually got my breakdown as somewhat detailed as I did because so much happened. It was like looking down, looking up. Like I just, I couldn't get it straight. But the match was fantastic. Now, let's move on to the booking because there's even so many different ways to attack. Oh, actually, the actually no, real quick, I'm sorry. Before we get to the book, I just want to throw this in there. You as well. paused. This is your fault. I, I was did. ready to move this on. This is my fault. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Go ahead. But I mentioned I mentioned in the pre-show that I wanted them to give us just like one to two minutes of Brock and Bobby together because we've never gotten that. And we basically got that. They basically gave it to us. There was a spear and there was the hurt lock until Biggie broke it up. So that was a cool sight to see. Bobby Lashley tweeted before. Um the show, he like retweeted something of his from 2019 about Brock versus Bobby. So they did give us those two big meaty men together and it wasn't long, but it was pretty cool to see as well. And I'm glad they, they did that because that's something we've never gotten and, and may not get again. We'll see what happens, but that was cool. Well, I do think there was a reason why we did not get Lesnar Lashley face to face in the ring where the crowd pops around them. You know what I mean? That that signature moment. I think that right. was not not done on purpose, and we'll get to that in a moment while we come here, and I will transition now. Am I allowed to transition? Can we? Yes, yes, going? it's okay. It's okay. all good. Uh, I'm done. Where we can talk about the booking. And like I said, there's just so many different ways to go about this. But I have to start with this because I talk about it all the time. And look, I've been on three wrestling podcasts in my life, okay? In this corner, many of you remember the old school fans. Um State of Combat, of course, which was basically the same show with a name change. And this one, my podcast, the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. And I have I hold very firm in my opinions. But the number one opinion that I hold and have held this entire time that I've done wrestling podcasting is that Brock Lesnar does not need to be champion. He just doesn't. He is the type of guy who can sell a match, even a main event match, that has nothing to do with a title. There are so few guys like that. Lesnar is one. Previously, before he retired, The Undertaker was another. Sure, just because he's still active, Goldberg. You can say Goldberg doesn't need to be in a title match. By the way, as proven by his lash with Bobby Lashley at Crown Jewel, that was against the champion, but not for the title. Okay, just a great example. CM Punk now, coming back to AEW. 
and Edge also in WWE. None of these guys need to be strapped up. But here we go again with WWE putting a title on Lesnar, who will not be on TV most weeks, and therefore, by nature of that, there will be a main event void on Raw, at least Raw at a minimum. Now, there may be some positives to Lesnar being champion. I'm not saying it's automatically all bad, and we can touch on the positives later, but making this title win even worse, and I know you're going to agree with me here, Chris, is that it's the end of Biggie's title reign, which that reign itself completely underdelivered due to no fault of his own. If they wanted to end it here, fine. We saw that as a possibility coming in. I talked about it for four or five weeks where I said, man, they're adding people to this match. Biggie's going to lose the title. But why the hell did this guy who won money in the bank, who cashed in successfully and beat Bobby Lashley, who you've been building as a single star for a year and a half at this point, why are you having him take the fall? The key in a fatal five-way match is you can take a title off a champion and keep him strong without him losing the match. You're really telling me that Owens couldn't have eaten the pin after the F5 or even Rollins? It's just terrible booking. Whether you like Lesnar winning the title or not, it is no doubt terrible booking to put Biggie in the spot to lose the title himself when you had legitimate two other outs in that match to do it. Yeah, I, I can't I can't imagine a champion being treated as poorly on a stage like this as Big E was, except for probably Kofi Kingston. <laughs> I mean, Brock's clearly got something out for the New Day or something. First, you, you touched on some of this, but first off, your champion not coming out last. What does that say about the guy you're trying to make the face of the company? That he's not coming out. It says that you're not Brock trying to make Lesnar. him the face of the company. It says that you it's it, it tells us that he's not important. He's not as important. And that sucks. Biggie getting pinned here sucks. Did not need to happen. It, it, we'll see what they're going to do. But if you wanted to have Big E versus Brock in some form, like there's no reason Kevin Owens shouldn't take that pin. No reason whatsoever. And, and instead, your champion gets pinned. And not only that, Big E, I'm pretty sure, didn't get a didn't get to hit a big ending on Brock or anything, right? Like like Brock Brock came in and got to do no, all he the was suplexes. going to, and then Brock rolled off his shoulders right. and hit the F five. Yeah, he he Brock had to do all the suplexes on everybody, all the F fives on. Most of them, at least three of the five, Biggie did, I think, one big ending. Like, Biggie didn't even get to look good in this match for, for all the stuff that was happening. Well, okay, well, let me let me just say, because I want to be fair, right? Lesnar kicked the shit out of everyone at the bell. Biggie is the one who took him out of the ring. He crushed him and threw yes. him out of the ring. He, and, well, then he he, and, then, and then he did hit the big ending on Lashley. So he didn't do yes. nothing. But we've he seen also that. He also urinagied Lashley into the table. So I'm not saying I'm not saying he yeah, didn't. Yeah, but we but I'm saying he didn't do it. He didn't get to do anything to Brock. He no, didn't get he like didn't. Bobby Lashley got to Bobby Lashley Correct. got to bust Brock through the through the, the through the uh, barricade and hit him with a spear and put the hurt lock on him, which he got out of. Well, he took like, he be, took he took Brock out of the ring initially at the very beginning of the match. He clotheslined him out of the ring. Yeah, but that's not that's it was fun. Well, no, he also like drove into him first. That led to him going to I, the ropes. I know. I'm just I'm saying. Just saying I'm just, I, 
I'm not, not, I'm, not, not I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm really not. I'm just clarifying what he didn't did not do. That's all. I'm just saying Biggie didn't look to get, Lashley looked a heck of a lot better in that match than, than yes. Biggie did. And and yes. I think we're probably setting up Lashley Brock probably in some form. There was a camera angle behind Lashley looking at Brock for a couple of yeah. seconds. I just I'm just saying for your for your champion, man, like for a guy who didn't get any wins of note on pay-per-views throughout this reign and then to get pinned by to get pinned by Brock like that just Man, that sucks. As for Brock being the champion, you're right. Now, he has been on TV almost every week for like a month plus here. True. Um, If that continues, that's great. He's been really fun on TV. He's been cutting his own promos. This has been a different Brock. I've been excited to see him, which was not the case for a long time with Brock as champion in the past. So if they keep that up, that's good. But also Brock was the face here. And I had said coming in this match, you had a fatal four-way and only three of them were heels. And yet you have a face pin a face in this match. Yep. Um, No one's going to be rooting for Big E to get his his title back on Brock. We love Brock. This is fun, Brock. This is face Brock. So, yeah, just the booking, I think, really sucked and just didn't need to happen. It didn't. And we're going to talk on that Lashley thing that you mentioned in a moment. So... Are you in agreement in general with my thesis on Lesnar winning the title? That that he, that he, he just that he does not need to. He just never needs. I, it. I totally totally agree. Totally agree. And even if he's gonna win it, it should be sparingly, like every once in a while. It seems like every year he has a title reign. Yes. So the other thing that I want to note is because we were just very negative about it, and I think it's fair for us to be negative given what they actually did. But let's look at the other side, okay? Are there any positives to Lesnar winning? Let's be clear and honest here. If you watched the crowd in that match, in the entrances, during the show, and you listen to them as well, the crowd was hotter for Lesnar than anyone else in that match. Hotter than they were for Big E, Rollins, Owens, or Lashley. Mm -hmm. We know Lesnar moves tickets. We know he creates headlines. He is a legitimate star. These are things that we can't deny, even if we want to. And this also creates directly the potential for the Lesnar versus Lashley dream match, which is a legitimate dream match. Lashley, as you just noted, easily came out of day one, looking the strongest out of anyone in that match besides Lesnar. It should have been Big E, but it was Lashley. He speared Lesnar twice in the match without retribution, and they clearly teased Lesnar-Lashley after the bell with the camera work. Let's not forget also the hurt lock, which Lesnar was unable to break. Big E was the one who came into the ring and broke it. One would think Lesnar-Lashley is a WrestleMania match. It feels in every possible way like a Mania match, but the way they teased it so much already. And all of the ways Lashley was able to get over Lesnar in that match without Lesnar getting any retribution on him, that tells me it's going to happen at the Royal Rumble in four weeks. And if and when that happens, it's absolutely going to bang. The only negative is that it came at the price of Biggie. I agree. So, so you think Lesnar, Lashley at the Rumble? I think so. I, I think that I, that probably makes sense because we've still got 
three pay-per-views before Mania? We so got Rumble, I'm a little confused about that. Um, Fastlane. I have to believe we get Elimination Chamber. I think they got rid of Fastlane. And I believe the goal is to do a Saudi Arabia show here before Mania. Oh, another one. Jeez. Well, they do two a year. They're contracted for two a year. Well, I'm just saying before Mania. I thought it'd be after Mania or something. We've got... There is a... Um, oh, you're right. It looks like there's a tentative super showdown in Saudi Arabia for February 24th. So maybe there and won't even the, be Elimination Chamber. Yeah, it looks like there's no fat... Yeah, it looks like it's just Rumble and Showdown. Yeah, super Rumble, showdown. Rumble, 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 Super Showdown, Saudi. Mania with no fast lane or no Elimination Chamber. Yeah, this is... Maybe there will be an Elimination yeah, Chamber match. Can Oh my God. Trying to find a better... Can, could you imagine them doing an Elimination match. Chamber quote-unquote match at Blood Money in the Sand? Like, think about that. Uh, the connotation of that. Oh my God. I really hope they don't do oh. that. Like, just, <laughs> oh, I'm God. serious. Think about it. Think yeah. about Like, if yeah. they put that match at that event, it's very possible yeah. they do that. It is very yeah. possible they do that. Let's not. Let's not. I'm serious. Um, I, watch it come to fruition. I know you're... Watch know it come you're, to fruition. Anyway, so, yes. No, so, but yeah, I, so, so Lesnar, Lashley at the Rumble. Um, I guess I could see that. I just kind of instantly... I just kind of instantly thought to Mania because that seems like something Vince would love for Mania, but... You know, my first thought was, you know, I thought we were going to get Brock Roman for Brock versus Roman versus Drew in the main event of Mania. Now I'm wondering Brock Lashley, Big E. I, I don't I don't see how Roman doesn't end the show, though. So and we'll get into Drew. So I I don't know. I guess it's possible. Brock's probably going to defend it before WrestleMania. So, yeah, well, he's definitely going to defend it. Yeah, there's no question. So. The other thing I was left wondering here, and we can kind of talk ahead of here, and don't worry, everyone, we're getting to the rest of the card, but this was huge. Like, we have to really go deep on this. The other thing I was left wondering is whether this confirmed, based on the booking, that Lesnar was always going to beat Reigns in the main event for the Universal title. So because the goal was to end the show with Lesnar as champion, they followed through with that booking, but did it with a different title. It could Very also well. it, it could also imply that E was always going to lose the WWE championship. However, I want to point out, WWE on Fox accidentally tweeted a graphic at the end of the show that showed Big E as winning the match and basically mm -hmm. retaining the title. So maybe that's not the case. And maybe the idea was that E was going to retain, maybe Lesnar was going to beat Reigns and who the hell knows what the storylines were going to be. But it does create an interesting story that must be reported, and I'm not going to be the one to do it. I don't have the connections that some other people do, on how plans legitimately changed for day one and how WrestleMania plans may have also changed, Chris, coming out of this event. Yeah, I mean, I had... You know, I picked it. I picked both champions to retain, but I also kind of had a feeling WWE may want to do something big for this show if they want to make it a annual thing. And Brock beating Roman would have been something I would have. Yeah, I mean, you think we're upset about the booking now? If Brock ended Roman's reign, we both would have hated that, right? Yes, I mean, yes, because the goal of Roman Reigns' title reign. It should, should be yes. for a good wrestling company to take a superstar who has not yet been elevated or needs to get re-elevated 
and have them beat Reigns and get elevated by it. Um, right. They did it with Seth Rollins when he was a babyface. They elevated him over Lesnar. They did it with Drew McIntyre, obviously. Uh, the the goal should have been to do the exact same thing with whoever. Now, the problem is they took everyone off of SmackDown that we thought would potentially be in that position. For example, right. a Finn Balor. They had the opportunity to do it. They didn't. They had the opportunity with Kevin Owens to do it. That was very early in the reign. They didn't do it. They had the chance to do it with Cesaro. Chose not to do it. Reigns has beaten everyone. So really the only person that was left for him, I mean, not the only person, but one of very few was Lesnar. So I didn't mind that they rehashed the storyline, but it, it did feel like whether it was at day one or whether it was at WrestleMania, that Lesnar was going to be the one to beat Reigns for his title. Yeah, I, I think the biggest question here now is, does this... Does this change, does this make big changes to what they were hoping for Mania? Or or do you think they kind of, maybe Lesnar drops the title at the Rubble or something and we get back to what we were originally, the original plan? I don't right. know. Like they figure, like a, they figure out a one month off course correction to get us back yeah. there February 1st, basically. That's what I'm, that's what I'm wondering. I, yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Because, I mean, we don't know what their plans were coming in. We don't know what they are now. But my first thought was, the guy you just had in the Universal Championship match is now your WWE champion. This, right. this has to have this has to have changed a lot of things. So we'll see. Well, well, look. Let's speculate just a little bit, and then we'll move on. Okay. Maybe there's a way that Big E gets his win back over Lesnar, and then Lesnar still challenges Reigns at WrestleMania. Or maybe, and you know what? This is probably how I would book it. You have Big E win the Royal Rumble, and we talked about this a year ago, right? You have Big E win the Royal Rumble and challenge Reigns for the Universal Championship. McIntyre, yeah, he's the odd man out if they were ever going in that direction ever. Another option that they could possibly do is a triple threat at Mania akin to what happened in the Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, and Ronda Rousey main event where it's winner take all or whoever gets pinned loses their title. Big E wins the Royal Rumble. He has reason to challenge Reigns because of the bloodline Usos continuing feud. He has reason to challenge Brock Lesnar because he literally took the title off him without it being the singles match. So you have Big E win the Royal Rumble and challenge both of them. Now, one more option. I just want to run these by you. You tell me what you think is don't forget WrestleMania is a two night show. WWE could do what New Japan does and have a title match one night and then another contender waiting the next night for a shot at the same title. There's a lot of different, really creative scenarios yeah. that WWE can employ. The question, as always, it's a very simple question. Is WWE creative enough to employ any of them? Or do they just go back to basics and they do Reigns versus Lesnar, title versus title, and no one else gets to main event? That would be a big shame. So, you know, I, I the reason I picked Big E to win this was because... His reign has just been lackluster. He hasn't had the wins, and I said, and I said, if he loses the belt to Lashley tonight, and then you have Biggie versus Lashley going into Mania, I don't know if anybody wants to see that because we're not as we're not behind. We're not going to be behind Biggie like we were the first time when he won it, right? But him winning the Rumble and going to SmackDown to fight fight Reigns could be the perfect refresh. It would be, yeah. Reset, essentially. Just get him away from Raw and all that. 
He's he's just he's on a new show and he's going to go after. It's a completely different matchup. I mean, not we had a Survivor Series, but you know the Usos New Day stuff you can throw in there that could work. Biggie winning the Rumble and going after Roman. It, it it could be a way to kind of fix the way things have gone so far. And, and by the way, I had, I, sorry, yeah. let me quickly add. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. Don't forget, Raw is the brand that's stacked. So you have any number of people who can challenge Lesnar. You have AJ yeah. Styles. Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, multiple people going against him. So you literally have a lot more options for Lesnar if you do that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you're right. And because and, I'd originally, I, I thought Drew would win the Rumble and, and fight Roman. Now there's been some reporting about Drew and his status. I don't know. We'll see. We'll get to that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think the idea of Biggie winning the Rumble to go fight Roman, it could help. Um, it, it would need some work, you know, but cause I don't know what, I don't know what Biggie does right now. I don't know how he gets in back into a spot where kind of everybody's behind him. Yeah. It's going to be a really, really interesting scenario. Um, the goal really should be to get momentum again behind Biggie. And I just, I don't know if they're really going to do that. And it would be unfortunate if they don't. One last thing before we move on, because I, I don't want to pass over this. We mentioned that Roman Reigns has COVID-19 pretty cavalierly and like we just glossed over it. I think the reason why I glossed over it is number one, I really wanted to get to the main event, but two, also in our live show on Twitter spaces, we spent some time talking about it. So let's make sure we say it here to a much larger audience. The number one goal and key with all of this with Roman Reigns is we hope he's asymptomatic and we hope he comes back healthy. Obviously, Reigns is immunocompromised. He has had two bouts, uh, two battles, fights with leukemia, uh, obviously succeeded uh, going into remission both times. But my understanding is certainly that that can is something that can pop up at any time, God forbid. Uh, so hopefully he's asymptomatic. This does not affect him significantly. Uh, word is that he's vaccinated and boosted, which is very good. Uh, my guess, and, and Chris, this is a coming from an ignorant area, but my guess is if the guy showed up at the show and expected to wrestle and got tested and found out he had COVID, there's a Good chance, not a perfect chance, but a good chance he's asymptomatic. So let's hope that Reigns is okay, that his family is okay. That is far, far, far more important than what's going to happen at WrestleMania or what's going to happen at the Royal Rumble. This guy, you know, not not only is he really important to WWE, he's important to his family and his friends. And a lot of people around the world look up to him as a hero. A lot of kids as well. So number one priority, Roman Reigns is healthy. Absolutely. It, yeah, we did talk about it in the pre-show, but so it was important that we acknowledge him uh, here in this uh, sense. Hope he's great. Hope he's good. The, the fact that the way it played out makes you think he's okay. We'll see if he's at SmackDown or not. You know, the CDC changed isolation times down to five days and then five days masked, you know, so so I don't know. We'll see. I imagine they're going to play it safe with him. Yeah, I imagine we see him on SmackDown. My guess is it's a taped situation from his house, just like Big E did, um, you know, just like Seth Rollins did this past week. That's my guess, but maybe he shows up. Maybe he's cleared, test negative, and is able to appear on TV. But, um, you know, there was a lot of misinformation that came out, I would say, about WWE's policy that they stopped testing. They did not stop testing. Uh, They just changed their testing policy to be more in line with the new CDC guidelines and really what the NFL is doing. So reports that they just stopped testing entirely were blatantly incorrect. 
as obvious by the fact that Roman Reigns yes. tested ahead of day one. It was clearly a WWE and it was, test. And we, and, we said, and we said this a week ago. It was obvious we they did. were going to because of Roman Reigns' situation. They were not going to put him in a situation. They were not going to try to put him in Correct. a situation where, where you know, obviously he did test positive, but they were, they were not going to be like, all right, Roman Reigns, we're not, testing, we're not testing anybody. Come on down to SmackDown. Right. Screw you, <laughs> so, guy yeah. who left the company <laughs> for months. Yeah. Of course yeah. they're not going to do that. So it was, you know, I'm not here to criticize anyone else's reporting, be- but it, it was clearly handled there, there's from... This, there, there's, there's a section of wrestling Twitter that is very quick to jump on WWE for any perceived anything. And they don't wait to see what more reputable. Right. You get, you get one report and it's like the word of God rather than like actually waiting for a couple people to confirm it or maybe WWE to come out. Now on that point, I did contact WWE. They would not confirm or deny anything. So I wish I could have given you that information, but I couldn't. Okay. That was the main event of WWE day one. We're like 40 minutes into the show. There's plenty left to talk about, but we will try to be, as expeditious as possible, even though a lot did happen on the show. Uh, the Raw Women's Championship was, you could call it, the co-main event. Becky Lynch against Liv Morgan. There were a ton of signatures, submissions, encounters, and reversals early in the match. Morgan got Lynch in rings of Saturn, but she reached the ropes and then took advantage with a draping leg drop and an exploder suplex. Liv hit a missile dropkick for a near fall, then escaped an armbar and rolled over Becky for a DDT and a 2.5 count. Liv hit a great springboard sunset flip powerbomb on Lynch for another near fall, which is like a new maybe signature move that she's trying out. Liv escaped to disarm her with the ropes, then slightly missed a missile dropkick, but nailed the Tope Suicida. Lynch kept rolling out of the ring to avoid getting pinned. Becky eventually slammed Liv's head into the announce table, but Liv broke the count at nine, then reversed Lynch into the steel steps outside and crushed her arm in the steps in retaliation for what Becky did to her previously on Raw. Lynch hit an avalanche arm breaker and then put Becky in rings of Saturn for the second time. Lynch held onto the ropes for dear life as Morgan pounded her. The referee separated them. Liv went for oblivion, which is her finisher, but Becky caught her up in the ropes and countered it by powering her down onto the mat directly into the manhandle slam, which is Becky's finisher for the clean win. Now, it looked like she was trying to get her feet on the ropes, but was a little bit too far away from the ropes to do it. And Morgan sold after the match that she was totally devastated by the loss as Becky Lynch escaped in 18 minutes. So everyone here knows I thought Liv would win this match. More importantly, I thought Liv should win this match. And I wanted her to win this match as a fan. But I gotta say, I still loved the finish here. Liv basically did every single thing right until the final moment and nearly hit her finisher if not for what was the perfect counter into another finisher. This match elevated Liv more than anything else in her entire career to this point. It's arguably her best match in WWE. In fact, maybe it's not even arguable. I think it was her best match in WWE. Now, while she didn't win the title here, to me, this certified Liv as a legitimate contender, as far as I'm concerned. In other words, someone along the lines at a minimum of a Carmella, where at any point she can be in a main event feud, you believe she can be in it, and you believe she could possibly win the title. As far as the match, it was clunky in parts. Becky missed the ropes at the end. And the worst part of it was actually the officiating, which was terrible. And I don't mean that in a kayfabe standpoint. I mean, in reality, the referee did a terrible job in this match. So because of that, I can't go to the A range. I was kind of close. Uh, 
the refereeing was so noticeably bad. Uh, I'm going to go with 3.75 stars and a B plus because I was thoroughly entertained here and there was a lot of good work. You could even say there were parts of the match where Liv carried Becky, which is not something I ever thought I'd say. Give me a couple examples on the referee point. I'm I'm curious by this. Um, Stopping pinfalls too early while shoulders were down, starting them too late, counting too slow, uh, separating them when they didn't need to be separated. It, It was bad. Yeah, yeah. The, the the counting was interesting, especially because the, the the main event counting seemed pretty quick, and I like a quick count. It was very I, slow I, counting I like the one, women's match. I like very the slow. one two threes being quick. Yeah, so uh, th- that's that's a good point. Um, yeah, I, you know, I've really liked the two Liv and Becky matches. People didn't really seem to like the first one. The thoughts on this seemed to be mixed. I liked it. I agree, it was clunky, it mo- mostly in the sense that. They weren't smooth. Like it was a lot of waiting to kind of set up the next spot and then they do it. But it wasn't like they didn't mess up a lot of moves. I thought that spinning. No, just the missile know, drop. Power bomb, really. Yeah. Yeah. It, like the, the, the jump spinning power bomb thing that lifted was awesome. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I thought they, they, they large, they hit the moves. It just, it wasn't as quite smooth, but it wasn't bad by any means. So yeah, I, I like it. I, I think live, you know, has certainly been elevated by by all of this. Um, you know, do they trust her to do a, a big promo in the ring? I don't know. We'll see. I still think her her music sucks and it doesn't get the crowd excited. It's <laughs> noticeable noticeable again here before she came out. But she's come a really long way, and she is a very solid wrestler now. And and I think they've done a really good job with her uh, through all of this. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to the third match, or third to last match, I should say, I'm sorry, on the card, Edge versus Miz. So Edge made the brood entrance rising out of the stage with, I think it was augmented reality fire. I don't think it was real. Uh, then he got, after that, he paused halfway down and he got his regular entrance. It was the same thing he did in the Seth Rollins match. Now, despite the go-home moment on SmackDown, Chris, you know, we're, we're going to get to the match in a second, but this entrance, it's it just felt completely unnecessary for this feud. Miz has hardly done anything to send Edge to, let's say, the dark side, like Rollins definitely absolutely did. I know the fans love the brood entrance. I love the brood entrance too, but I'd rather it be used in appropriate spots. Am I wrong about this? Like it was appropriate for the Rollins feud. It was not at all appropriate here at day one. No, it, it was it was essentially a cheap pop entrance. I, right. I mean, I loved it. I thought his brood entrance for SummerSlam was one of the coolest moments of 2021. But they they built to it. They 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 gave you a reason for it. This was just to be like, oh, you guys like that? We'll just do it again. It, it, it was completely not necessary. But I, I'm not I'm not going to complain too much about them giving me something I liked. I liked it. It was cool to see it. But yeah, it was it was pretty clearly just a. Uh, just just a, essentially a cheap pop entrance. Exactly. So let's get to the match. Miz actually dominated early. He slammed Edge's head into the announce table a few times. Miz failed with a skull crushing finale onto the table. So Edge countered it into like a face first slam. That was kind of weird. Uh, Miz got countered shoulder first into the post. Or sorry, that was uh, Edge got countered shoulder first into the post. Then Miz took out his knee and put on the figure four. Edge escaped. So Miz tried John Cena's STF, which I thought was a pretty cool callback to their feud, but he failed. Edge ate a slingshot, but the referee caught Miz with his legs on the ropes. 
Maurice put Miz's leg on the rope while he was uh, in a cross face from Edge. Edge threw Miz off the top rope, but Miz leapfrogged the spear as Edge fell down face first, hit the turnbuckle. And then Maurice, I think she hit him with her purse. It was either a purse or she slapped him, I forget. Miz hit the skull crushing finale. It looked like the finish, but it was a false finish. Edge kicked out at 2.8. Maurice then jumped up onto the apron and Miz sat up with his eyes really, really wide. The camera pans over and Beth Phoenix appears on the ramp with like an insane Viking style uh, hairdo. Her music hit and she stalked Maurice to the back. Then she stared down Miz. Edge catches him blind with a spear and gets the win. The crowd went absolutely wild for the finish of this match. Maybe I'd have preferred a more clean win for Edge, but you can't deny, you know, even though we may disagree with booking, you ultimately cannot deny the crowd reaction and the moment. And this was a moment. Beth looked like a million dollars. She looked like a the Viking Brock Lesnar equivalent of herself, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Um, they also looked awesome together as a couple. They looked like a, like a Viking couple, more so than the Viking Raiders ever have. Uh, the match, it wasn't anything special. Miz held his own, but the wrestling was slow. It wasn't very good. I guess I would go 3.25 stars and a B all in. But, you know, I think Edge and Miz as a combination of wrestlers just doesn't really work. The other thing that was a little bit of a fail here was they basically had the camera on Beth Phoenix without her music yes. hitting. And then <laughs> yes. they went back to the Miz who was staring at her. Then they went back, the music hit, and she started walking to the ring. So production completely screwed that up. The idea was that, you know, McIntyre kicks, not McIntyre, sorry, Edge kicks out. Miz sits up, he's perplexed. Then he sees her, his eyes get wide. The music hits, they pan over, there she is, and then everything else happens. So they did it out of order, production screwed up. That's all that all-encompassing is why I'm going 3.25 stars and a B because it's a match. It's a moment. You have to factor everything in. The crowd reaction was great. The wrestling just wasn't great. Yeah. I, I mean, you essentially called this finish. I mean, you didn't have Beth Phoenix showing on up. I was right I, about I, edge I winning. Yeah, right. You were right about edge winning. I got this one wrong. Um, yeah. Match was whatever. It's not really something I'm going to go back to, but I'll definitely go back and look at that finish. But yeah, this was a um, this was an AEW type production botch, and I'm stunned by that because WWE usually is overproduced so much. But yeah, Maurice gets up and Miz starts pointing, and the crowd starts turning to point, and then the camera's on her, and then, and then she's just standing there waiting for the music, which is weird. Normally, it should be the music hits, and then you come out. I don't know. That's why I, I assume it was a botch, but that's why her being out before the music even hit was weird. I don't know. That was weird. But she looked awesome. Now, yes, as we fantasy booked essentially as soon as this feud started, I imagine we're going to get the intergender tag at the Rumble, and it'll probably be a lot of fun. So it set up something I'm looking forward to. As for this on the show, it was it was mostly forgettable for now. It was forgettable, and it's clear that we're getting that match. I think the fact that it all happened here, what did I say on the Ultimate Preview and what have I said previously? If they're going to do the tag team match in this feud, do it at the Royal Rumble. I want to see Edge against a young wrestler at WrestleMania. Because they did it here in this spot and the Royal Rumble is in four weeks, I am very confident that this match will be at the Rumble. Do you agree? Yes. It, yeah, it, it didn't need to be a main. We didn't think it did. And now we know it won't be. 
Okay, so we had the SmackDown Tag Team Championship between the Usos and the New Day. This opened the main card. Woods got the hot tag and hit a Fireman's Carry-style Mishinoku driver on Jimmy for a near fall. Really cool-looking move. Jimmy came back with a corkscrew before the Usos did a pop-up Samoan drop for a near fall. Kingston then kicked out of an Uso splash to the shock of the crowd and sold a knee while in a single-leg crab. Woods took Jimmy down outside and Kofi, uh, he came up close on like a couple of roll-ups, close to pinfalls. Kingston then hit an SOS for a near fall and the crowd went wild for that. Woods tagged in and hit, I think it was up, up, down, down is what they hit, uh, but Jimmy kicked out at 2.8. New Day failed on another tag team move. Woods got knocked outside. Kofi ate a double super kick and then a double Uso splash, but Woods ran in to break the fall out of nowhere. Xavier got thrown outside again and the Usos caught Kingston, not with an Uso splash, not with super kicks, with a damn 3D out of absolutely (laughs) nowhere, a Dudley death drop for the win. Chris, this was an absolute banger, dude. Like what else is there to say? The storyline coming in may have been the weakest ever for a New Day feud. I think that's, you know, fair to say. But we got a show-stealing match that would have been the best match on the card if not for the main event. It was squeaky clean with a fresh finisher and what may be the Usos' new finisher, calling it the 1D as Pat McAfee did, or maybe even the D1 because they're day one-ish or day one. All of that would be great. I loved every single thing about this match. Is what Xavier calls it. I went 4.5 stars and an A. Yeah, I mean, when given time, an Usos New Day match is never not delivered, especially on the pay-per-view stage. I think, didn't they have a match a couple weeks back on a Raw? I think it wasn't very good. But yeah, this was great. I mean, these guys, this has to go down as one of the greatest tag team rivalries in wrestling history, right? I feel like we're not talking yes. about it because we're in the moment. No, it is. It absolutely are, is. These, yes. these are Hall of Fame tag teams, without a doubt, that always deliver. And it doesn't matter what the situation is. It's the most reliable thing they can do. This was this was this was fun. And, and you know, we got kind of what uh, you figured at the end. But just for a match, did this open? Did this open the show? It opened the yeah. main card. Yeah. 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 It, that's exactly it, 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 great. It, it set the tone. Tag team match, open it up. That, that's what WWE does a lot. And it works. And I love the 3D for the finish. And I love that it worked because it's another another thing in the Usos toolbox you know that they can end a match with. I think the biggest issue with WWE matches is that they almost always, when you have a pin, they almost always just end on the person's one finisher. So if you have a few different things, whether it's a double Uso splash, yes. whether it's a 3D now, that 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 opens up a lot of possibilities for false finishes. And uh, that's great. Loved it. I, I guess I guess um, Corey was calling it the 1D. Uh, McAfee called it the 1D. Or McAfee called it the 1D. Is that because we're the ones? Is that the idea? Yeah, one I instead of I, three because it's, yeah. Yeah, even though the so even though I, the move is Dudley Death Drop, which is why it's called 3D. <laughs> right. But right, right, right. So that's why I think yeah, they may no, call that that's was, why that's why I think they may call it the D1. The day one, because they're day one-ish. Did, oh, did he say D I thought he said one D. Did he say He D1? said one D. I'm saying it should be D1. Oh, yeah, that works better too. That right. That's all that's what I'm saying. Too, so yeah. yeah. And by the so, way, let's not forget um, one of the greatest tag team finishers of all time. 
the three D. Yeah, I mean it's and one and one you can break out of nowhere all the time. And and man, back when the Dudleys used to do it, when like you could see the setup coming and the crowd would go three D, and like oh man, that like you got the goosebumps in the arena. That yeah. was such a cool finisher. I hope I hope but I assume they asked permission. We will find out. Trust me from Bubble Ray if they did not ask permission. Yeah, yeah uh, but I, saw, I presume they did. I saw, a bunch of, I saw a bunch of people just tweeting pictures of Bully Ray <laughs> after that. So that, that was fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, this was great. It, as for story, whatever, who knows? But, you know, we didn't expect much from the story coming in. We just wanted them to give us a good match. And they did. I just it was super clean. I like that. You know, give me clean finishes. Yep. We got clean finishes all night. That like that was the, maybe you could say Edge Miz wasn't. But everything else was a clean finish. Um, and even Becky Lynch and Liv, even if she was supposed to get her feet on the ropes, there wasn't interference. There wasn't, I mean, for women, you don't do a low blow. But, you know, everything on this card, it felt like it mattered. Even if coming in, it didn't matter. There is actually, I say everything, there's one match that didn't matter at all. But I think you understand basically what I'm trying to say here. It, it, mm. it was very well done from a, from a match booking standpoint. Whoever the agents were for the matches, did a very good job across the board. I'm going to move on, but really quick. If I told you WrestleMania this year, whatever night, let's say night one, it's New Day Usos again. The storyline continues from now all the way until then somehow. And it's not any good, the storyline. Are you okay with the match being on the WrestleMania card? Yeah. I, I, think, yeah. You, I think you have to be, because it's like, oh, it makes for shitty TV. Sure. But if they're going to put a 4.5 star banger on day one, what are they going to do for WrestleMania? It's like they can't yeah. not deliver on one of these big shows. Yeah, I I, I, I think so. Yeah. It's like the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn stuff, where it's just like... Put it on a show, yeah. Mm-hmm. Throw it on there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think both deserve better. I think both deserve stories and, and all of that. Of course, but, everyone does. Yeah. Um, I also think, hey, just have these this legend... I, I, I mean, honestly... What I said at the beginning of this was the way you could just book it. Just hype this up as one of the greatest tag team rivalries of all time. And then just do a, do a big hype video leading into the match yeah. of all their great moments. The latest like chapter be, in a storied that rivalry. That be the story. Like, yeah. I'm, I'd be fine with that. I completely agree. Yep. All right. Let's go to the other tag team match. The Raw Tag Team Championship, RK-Bro against the Street Profits. Now, Migos, which was the special guest for the show... They were backstage talking about how they've loved WWE since they were kids. That was not a put on, by the way. It's actually true. And they suggested maybe a surprise was in order for them to get into the ring later in the show. So like three segments later, two segments later, Migos actually entered with RK Bro for the match and sat ringside in a VIP section behind a velvet rope. Now, some may not know this, but there's a very famous picture. And I think it was a vine, if that's dating it enough, back in the day of Migos and Randy Orton meeting at an airport. And it was just a very funny picture that has been out there for a long time. So it was really cool and funny, for me at least, and people who remember that, to see them come out with Orton and Riddle, of course, at a pay-per-view. As far as the match. Yeah, yeah. The Prophets uh, taunted using Orton's pose, and they actually got booed by the Atlanta crowd. Angela Dawkins hit Riddle with a silencer, but didn't cover. Orton got the hot tag with two power slams, and Montez Ford... Sold his power slam like absolute death. Then Orton hit a double draping DDT. Ford thwarted a uh, floating bro, then did his insane tope cannonball over the ring post to take out both of RK bro. Ford missed a frog splash, and then Riddle caught him running for an assisted pop-up RKO that Orton nailed perfectly. Then 
before he went for the cover, Orton pointed at Riddle and like nodded in respect, pinned him, got the one, two, three. After the match, Migos came in the ring. They were celebrating. The Prophets stood up. RK-Bro raised their hands as well. And everyone celebrated together in like a big face moment. This was an absolutely incredible finish to what I thought was a banger of a match. It stood on its own, despite Uso's New Day being sick in its own right on the exact same show. And it's really tough to do when there's a great, great tag team match, a 4.5 star A match on the exact same show to come out like two matches later and put on a banger of your own. They did it. All four of these guys are ballers. I gave this four stars and an A minus. It probably would have been higher on a show by itself, but they're victims of circumstance here because it was on the same show as New Day and Usos. And Chris, I'm going to duck after I say this, okay? But I really, really enjoyed the profits as heels. Ford's braids sold it. Dawkins easily works in the role because he's big and strong and can just be dominant at any given time. One of our listeners, Omar Gonzalez, he sent me a tweet that said they were wearing a Cobra Kai inspired gear, which I didn't catch. I'm not a huge Karate Kid fan, but I believe him to, you know, I believe him if he says that. It seems like it was only a one night deal given the post-match and them all being happy. But dude, if they turned them heel, I would absolutely be down for that. This was a lot of fun. Well, I was waiting for that at, at the end of the match when they're all hanging out in the ring with, with RK Bro and Three Profits and Migos there. I was like, why are the why are the Profits just kind of hanging out? I mean, I guess their face is so they're fine and they want to be there. But I was like, man, imagine if they just like a turned heel here and attacked RK Bro and chased Migos out of the ring. Like that would have been a great way to do it. Um, I, so, yeah, I, I don't really know because I don't think RK Bro is going to break up anytime soon because, you know, they're the they're the hottest thing going on Raw, essentially. Um, so I don't think it's a, a breakup you do for Mania. In in which case, you know, what do the profits kind of do in the meantime? So I don't know. That, I think that would have been good. But yeah, match was great. You knew it was going to be great. You knew both tag team matches were going to be great because because of, of the teams involved. So yeah, it was fun. It was fine. Again, another tag match that didn't have any. I mean, it had stakes because it had the titles, but it had no story behind it. Um, and so, you know, you just got a good match out of it and kind of in one out the other and see what happens for everybody involved next. I didn't have the time on this. Did you happen to catch it or do you have it up or anything like me, that? Yeah, I, mean, I got the Wikipedia up here. It I didn't was, say the time for every match, but I was curious. Uh, this was 11.15. And what was the, the uh, Usos and New Day? The Usos New Day was 17.05. Yeah, okay, that felt it, about also, right. Yeah. Also, Edge Miz was 20 on the dot. Yeah, that was too long. So that, that match was too long. A couple of the other ones were too short. The main event was too short. We talked about it. I think I thought uh, Becky and Liv was perfect. It was 18 minutes and change. Um, that that was a nice match right there. But yeah, some of the other ones I would adjust a little bit. Uh, but nevertheless, by the way, could you imagine? I just wanted to throw this out there. Could you imagine if WWE had a faction of rappers that maybe Migos like had their back mm. in a tag team title match with the Usos and put them over and maybe that faction... Uh, won the titles. I thought that would have been a fantastic moment. Maybe you could even call that group Hit Row or something like that. Wouldn't that have been good? Just, you know, uh, we, we, of all the of all the you know the cuts, it's the ones that come immediately after a call up that are the most frustrating because you never got to you never got anything out of it, and that that's what's frustrating. That's so. what's frustrating. 
I also want to give a shout out have, here. Would have loved to have Hit Row. Yep. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it would have been incredible. I also just want to give a shout out really quick to a longtime listener, Jeremy Smith, who, first time ever this happened, Venmoed us a comment. So he gave us a tip <laughs> and he Venmoed us a comment, which is a first. It's certainly appreciated, Jeremy. I will buy a beer uh, with your contribution. Uh, he just said, Mania Fantasy Booking does look strong after tonight. If they do, Lesnar Lashley, Bloodline New Day in some form, and maybe RK Bro versus Owens and Rollins. And I wanted to bring up the last two in particular, because hmm. one thing we did not talk about is if Big E does win the Royal Rumble or something like that, they could potentially, given the two-night format of WrestleMania, do Bloodline New Day on night one and then split them up for title matches on night two. But the real thing I wanted to circle in on is RK-Bro against Owens and Rollins. Now, we have no idea what's going to happen with the WWE title going forward. However, RK-Bro is clearly not just working, working better than maybe WWE had ever imagined to this point. Because you know what they say, your best friend or your enemy's friend is your friend's enemy and your enemy's friend. And more friends, enemies, and enemies' friends are Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, who throughout the last month or so have been absolutely incredible. They're not a tag team, but working off of each other on screen. And if they're not going to get factored in to, you know, main event plans or title plans, that match that he suggested, RK-Bro against Rollins and Owens, not only would that be an absolute banger of a tag team title match, that would be or could be a great catalyst if you wanted to take the titles off RK-Bro, they would be a team strong enough to do it that could actually drive a wedge between them. Yes. I, I mean, we we had said a couple weeks back that I think Rollins and Owens would be a great tag team. They, they've been really fun, and we got to see them again work together a bit in this match. Um, I love them as a tag team. I, I Way back when, when they were briefly together, when Rollins was, I think, the WWE champ and and Owens was the NXT champ. I wanted them to do a, to pull a two man power trip type of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I I love that idea. I would love RK Bro versus Rollins and, and Edge, uh, Rollins and, and Owens. And then the other one he mentioned was New Day, New Day versus Bloodline. You know, you talk about a way to spread something over two shows. How about this? Your match going into Saturday is a New Day versus Bloodline six man. The bloodline has all the belts. If the New Day win, they get title shots on Sunday. And that's how you could set up Biggie versus Roman. Perhaps. I mean, that's pretty much what I just said. I said you do the six man on Saturday and you do the two title matches on Sunday. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm, I'm saying, yeah, but you make it a stipulation is, is what you're saying. You got you. They have to get the win on Saturday in order to get the title shot on Sunday. I think you yeah. could do that, but that would be really telegraphed if you did that. It would, but I mean, you know, Dana Bryan was telegraphed and they did that. So. <laughs> and they telegraphed. Would, a lot wouldn't of stuff. be wouldn't be unprecedented. They telegraph a lot of stuff, but you know what they say: sometimes predictable things are good. Uh, but you know, that would be an interesting option. And by the way, anyone else? I, I, there were a lot of tweets, a lot of DMs. The instant analysis are very long shows, or they could be long shows. We try to cut them down. Our Tuesday WWE show. We're going to have a lot more to talk about. We'll get more DMs. I'll solicit additional DMs. Monday night during Raw. So you guys will be able to contribute. We'll get your voices on the show. Don't worry, we'll do like a mailbag segment or something on Tuesday's show. A uh, couple more things before we get out for day one. Drew McIntyre versus Madcap Moss was the final match on the main card. 
Uh, McIntyre dodged Moss flying into the corner. McIntyre had a big spine buster on Moss, but Moss impressively caught him flying at him. He nearly dropped McIntyre, but like powered out of it, used the ropes and hit a fallaway slam. Serious wow for me, just from a strength standpoint. Totally impressive. Uh, McIntyre hit a future shock DDT for a near fall, then got caught in the tree of woe. He flipped Moss off the ropes and did a handstand, then ran the ropes for a claymore and the clean win to a big ovation from the fans. Now, as we said in the ultimate preview, Chris, this was a SmackDown match on pay-per-view in every possible way. It's worth pointing out, though, that this exact same match, if it was actually on SmackDown, it would have gotten four minutes, the crowd wouldn't have cared, McIntyre would have won, or it would have been a disqualification, and you move on. Instead, it would have. It would have. It didn't. It wouldn't have to, but it would have. But it would have. Oh, right. 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 I'm yeah. not saying it. I'm not saying it should have. I'm saying it would have yeah. if it was yeah. on TV. Instead, yeah. because it was on a pay per view, these guys actually got time to work. The crowd responded to it, and while Moss didn't really get a lot of offense or have much of a chance in the match, he looked capable. Where otherwise on SmackDown you would never have gotten to see it. You said it was, I think, ten minutes. That's what needs to happen on television yeah, more. 9.45, 9.45. 9.45, 12 minute regular matches. This was a very late 80s, early 90s WWE style match. I didn't love it. I gave it three stars and a B minus, but it definitely exceeded my expectations. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I was of two minds. I was of one. Hey, Matt Cap can go a little bit. You know, we haven't seen Riddick Moss wrestle much in a long time. Right. Um, and he got, you know, the fallaway slam was impressive. So I was like, oh, okay. Imagine if this guy didn't have the worst gimmick in the world. Like, <laughs> he'd be interesting. Goes for a lot of guys. Um, yep. So, and then Myler was, why is Drew struggling to put away Madcap Moss on a pay-per-view? Like, that, that's where just kind of in kayfabe, he shouldn't have any trouble. Well, let me so- briefly interrupt. It only looked like he was struggling because we, as people who watch WWE, are conditioned to believe he should beat him in four minutes because that's all we see on television. I'm I'm not trying to interject AEW here, but if this was an AEW pay-per-view and you had, or or TV show Dynamite, and you had McIntyre and Moss on the show, then it would be a 10-minute match. And then if they had a rematch or a similar type of match on a pay-per-view and it went 14 minutes you wouldn't think of it being person A is struggling to put away person B. You'd be used to matches going longer. It's the fault of WWE's television booking that it yes. made it seem okay. like it was tough for McIntyre when really this was a normal wrestling match. It is, right. But it's just, it's, it's, we're, con- we're conditioned to expect certain things and we, we, exactly. we establish value in various wrestlers based on what they do largely on TV, which is why we have said time and time again, Four minute match on SmackDown does nothing for anybody, right? Which doesn't is, help like you the said, winner doesn't help the loser, a, right? No, and it's why, like you said, AEW tries to make every match feel like it means something, and that elevates the floor for what you think is possible in, mm-hmm. in terms of respecting the guys in the ring. So, hey, if they're going to give us a Drew McIntyre, Madcap Moss match like that, like all the time, that's great. I just don't think they're going to do it, right. Right. Or just matches like that on TV, the equivalent yeah. of this match yes. on television is what we should get. There's yeah. no reason Cesaro Sheamus should be a three minute match on TV when you can at least do 10 like this and have it be a banger. This wasn't a banger, but mm-hmm. that those two obviously in 10 minutes would be a banger. Uh, now, after this, later in the show, 
McIntyre was being interviewed backstage. He asked if he had his sights set on Happy Corbin now, which was such a bad interview question. It's like, no, I don't care about this guy. That's what the answer should have been, right? That was my, that was my thought too. That was my thought. Yeah, like, no, yeah. I'm moving on to the championship, which is what I've cared about my entire time here. Anyway, he started talking shit when Corbin and Moss attacked him from behind. Moss wrapped the chair around his neck and then Corbin took a piece of a truss and <laughs> slammed it on him like a baseball bat. It was a great looking injury spot. Like, yeah. really, really well done. Um, we've been saying this for weeks. It feels an awful lot like the Corbin Moss feud is a waste of time feud before a return to the main event. However, a little bit of a spoiler alert, maybe, so you can hit the 30 second skip if you don't want to be spoiled. It's a dirt sheet thing. It's a dirt sheet report, news report. So hit it now if you don't want to be spoiled. PW Insider reports that McIntyre may actually have been written off in this spot so he can get some nagging injuries addressed. And look at, let's just be honest. He, he has been the WWE Iron Man in 2021. He was probably also the Iron Man in 2020. And this happened to Dean Ambrose where uh, he wrestled for so long. He wrestled through injury for so long. and But with Ambrose, it was like a ton of house shows. And he just, he wrestled hundreds upon hundreds of matches. That it just became too much. He had a bunch of nagging injuries, had to take care of him, took a bunch of time off. Uh, that obviously took a turn for, Mar- for Ambrose. We hope it doesn't for McIntyre. But he's going to get these addressed, apparently, according to PW Insider. And he he reports, Mike Johnson, the, the head of PW Insider, reports that it's expected to be a short-term absence. So that means potentially he could be back uh, in time for WrestleMania or maybe even way sooner than that. What this could also mean is similar to when Roman Reigns came back from his second bout with leukemia and just remember he had that random one-off match with like, was it Baron Corbin or was it someone else at a WrestleMania? Oh, remember like he came back, had like a one month feud or a two week feud, had a WrestleMania match and then moved on. This could be something similar where like McIntyre, he's not factored into the main event plans or anything like that. He takes two months off, comes back, gets retribution on Corbin at WrestleMania. That's the feud. And then they move on. So I've changed my prediction to that of what is going to happen here. So wait, what's your prediction then? That McIntyre ends up not factoring into the main events of WrestleMania. And maybe they save the continuation of his feud with Corbin for then. Maybe. As opposed to right away at the Royal Rumble. or Roman beat... Yeah, Roman beat uh, actually Drew McIntyre in a, in a single That's match. right. It was McIntyre. That's right. At, at WrestleMania 35 in New York. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah. So I'm wondering um, if it's a scenario like that, or maybe they just need to give him two weeks off. It could also just be that. It could be as simple as two weeks off, he fights Corbin at Royal Rumble. And maybe that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, I, I, I was not... Um, I was not... I'm not happy that Drew's hurt. But when I saw it happen backstage, I was like, man, like you got to save these things for when you're writing somebody off or when they're going to be gone for a period of time. So I was pleased in kayfabe that like it meant something. And this also played into the the Liv Becky thing where when Liv did, uh, I'm sorry, when Becky did the stairs kick, you know, with Liv's arm stuck between. And then like Liv was like there the next week beating up Becky at her gym or something like that well she had a cast and stuff on like right, she was, but selling she was fine but but she was like she's fine it, not very long after so like i, I was i guess i'm it, 
it was a good way to write him off if you're going to write him off because yeah, that looked pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the way it was, I was like a chair on like, a truss. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. Yeah, I was like, yeah. whoa. I was like, I, I mean, now like, you know, the next time we see Corbin in Moss, they shouldn't be happy go lucky. Like <laughs> they're going to be. I know, but they should be like they should be angry. They should be maybe cutting jokes, but like have an edge to them. You know, essentially like the Damian Priest type of thing. Like they're happy go lucky, but they just it got to them and they snapped. Like this should be a character turn for Happy Corbin now. It probably won't be, but what's the I, what's I, the I, new I'm name? Saying, what's the new name if you turn the character? Ang- angry Corbin. I don't know. What just, about just Murder because, Corbin? Yeah, there you go. Manslaughter just because, Moss. like. It, it, it was a, <laughs> but but like it was a very good vicious beatdown. So like, build off of it, you know, for them. So cap. How about Capital Murder Corbin and Manslaughter Moss? That's the new name. Yeah. So and you you talk about Drew being the workhorse. WWE put out a graphic the other day of like who had the most matches in 2021, and Drew was atop the list with like 95 or something like that. Oh wow. So um, he was definitely at the top. So there you go. Wasn't just a spitball on it. I was right. Okay. Uh, and lastly, the kickoff show match Cesaro and Ricochet and Sheamus and Ridge Holland. Ricochet came out last, which I thought was notable. He got a really big pop. He was flipped by Cesaro on top of Holland for what was supposed to be an assisted 450 splash. When Ricochet's foot came down on Holland's face, Holland was ruled to have broken his nose and left the ringside area. Sheamus did a really good job at first, like stalling while they did all that stuff. Uh, and while Ridge was being checked out, he even screamed as Ridge was walking out that he didn't need a partner. Cesaro hit a springboard crossbody for a near fall, then did 14 swings in a sharpshooter. I could have sworn he was going to do 22 swings for 2022. Maybe he just couldn't handle it. Like he got weak. Uh, Cesaro took Ricochet out with white noise outside the ring. Then the finish came when Sheamus just hitting a bro kick on Cesaro and beating him. Now, you know, first regarding the injury, absolutely terrible luck for Ridge who just came back from missing a year after like shattering his leg in NXT. If it's just a broken nose, he tweeted a picture of himself with a cotton ball stuck up his nose. And as long as it's not like an orbital issue or anything, he should be back soon. Not a big deal. It's also a situation kind of ironic where Sheamus just did an angle a couple months ago with a broken nose. He can wear the exact same face mask. Yeah. Or the same style, at least. Honestly, honestly, they should lean into that. They should. So there's a parallel that can work in storyline. They could even wear matching face masks. Like, who the hell knows? Yeah. Uh, as for the match, Sheamus was terrific. Certainly, it wasn't a banger, but it was, you know, very, very good. The result is what I predicted on our live pre-show. And they gave the the faces an excuse with Ricochet taking a brutal white noise outside. Still, I'm kind of thinking, with Holland out, they probably should have changed the booking on the fly. I gave it 2.75 stars and a C plus given the circumstances. But this booking of like Sheamus and Ridge Holland now beating Cesaro four times in a row. Like, I don't know what the end goal is here. I, I, I don't get where this goes. Right. Sheamus over. I mean, sorry, Cesaro over Sheamus at WrestleMania four months, from the, you know, three months from now. I don't really get what the concept is and why Cesaro and Ricochet keep losing when Ricochet is now coming out of that gauntlet match, getting great reactions. So, you know, booking, not great, but it was a kickoff show match and it it was as good as a kickoff show match should be. Yeah, I mean, you should have you should have tried to audible and have the faces win because 
Sheamus just looks like a face for winning, for winning the match. Right. He won. He won a one and two handicap match. I'm not gonna be mad at him. Like, like, like you, you could have just done it, and Sheamus could say, make an excuse, whatever, and you just kind of go from there. It's a kickoff match. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but it was a little notable because, because I think back to like that Worlds Collide match in 2020, Imperium versus um, Undisputed Era pre-pandemic. That was my favorite match of 2020, and that match had a real injury in it that forced I forget what his name is one of them from Imperium to be pulled out turned into a three on four match and that instantly made Imperium the faces that everybody got behind in that match because it's just you can't not it's a handicap match so I think they could have tweaked it to have Sheamus and Cesaro uh, I'm sorry Cesaro and Ricochet win people would have cheered wouldn't wouldn't affect the story really at all small thing but yeah Sheamus looked good Good. So that is WWE day one, the very first pay-per-view of the 2022 calendar year. So since we've already gone through the instant analysis, let's go, Chris, to our post-show grades. A reminder, yes, I did forget to pull you all, the audience, my fault, bad start to 2022 for your pre-show grade. But Chris and I, with the adjusted card, the Silver King was at a B. Chris, you were at a B plus for the pre-show grade. Now, I did not forget to send the post-show poll out to our listeners and followers at Getting Overcast. So let's go over that. The post-show grade came in. 37% of you said A, 45% said B, 16% said D, and 2%, which we will throw out because it's ridiculous, said D or F. So quick math, 82% of you came in with A or B, not exactly spit, split, but pretty close to it. Uh, Chris, what do you think that should average out for them? As uh, Is that an A minus or is that a B plus? Uh, 37, 45, and 16. 37, 45, 16. That, that's... It's close. A plus, A minus range. It's like 90, oh. 89, like right there, right? Yeah. That's what I would say. We'll round, so, we'll round up, say, say A minus. We'll say A minus from the fans, um, but it's really, really close in that regard. Chris, I always let you go first when we do our post-show grades. What is your final grade for WWE Day 1? I'm going to give it a B plus, which was where I was coming in. Um, again, if we had had the Brock-Roman match, it probably would have been higher. Things would have been a lot different. You know, we have the big Brock is your new WWE champion, but Outside of that, I'm not sure how much is that memorable from this match. You know, the mat- some of the matches are pretty good. They were fine, enjoyable, but nothing that was like, nothing we're going to really remember from this being the first day one, I think, other than Brock. So I'll go B+. Plus. Yeah, I'm tough. I'm literally right on the edge of our listeners. B plus, A minus, I'd probably give it like an 89 out of 100, right? Like, which is a B plus. But like really right on the border, I think this pay-per-view was actually greater than the sum of its parts, if that makes sense. We had yeah. a, based on my ratings alone and everyone's ratings are different, uh, we had a 4.75 star match, a 4.5 star match, and a four star match, along with a 3.75 star match, uh, 3.253 and 2.75. Those were the grades. That to me, you know what? I'm actually changing it. I, I gave three matches really high grades like that. I'm going to go A minus territory. I'm going to give 90 out of 100. Wow. The very bottom. Um, look, 
at some point, you got to talk about entertainment value when it comes to a pay-per-view, right? This was not an A show. It was not an A-plus show. Uh, we didn't have enough huge matches for that. Uh, we didn't have the Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar match. Uh, the Edge match, I would call a disappointment. However, Becky and Liv totally lived up to expectations, no pun intended, and maybe even exceeded them. And both tag team matches exceeded my expectations, even though maybe it should have been higher for Usos and New Day. But when you look at like the pay-per-view as a whole and you say, wow, the card got adjusted. They took away, they took away the main event of the card. That disappeared. They didn't book the new main event the way I would like them to. And yet I still absolutely loved the match that they gave us. And if you talk about entertainment value from day one, Chris, especially when you compare it, and I know it's difficult to compare a live pay-per-view to a you know, what they did during the pandemic with the empty arena stuff inside the performance center. But there were a lot of those shows that we gave A's and A minuses to that were not as good as this pay-per-view, just straight up head to head. So I'm on the border. Seriously, I may rewatch the pay-per-view tomorrow and say, you know what? It was an 88 or an 89, but like first blush, I want to say it was a 90 out of a hundred. It was entertaining from top to bottom. And you know what? They also did something that I've talked about on every podcast I've ever been on. They built the match card from bottom to top, like a real combat sports pay-per-view. Now, the Mm -hmm. opener was New Day Usos. That normally would be a little bit later. But after that match, they did every other match on the card in reverse order of importance, basically. They did, I believe, McIntyre and Moss, RK Bro and Street Profits. Edge and Miz, the women's championship, and the fatal five-way for the WWE title. They didn't do a cool-down match. They didn't interrupt it with bullshit. They didn't add a crappy match to the card. Mm -hmm. They built it like a combat sports pay-per-view card. And maybe that added to my enjoyment as well. Maybe I'm giving them a little bit extra credit. If Reigns and Lesnar were there, I bet you they would have built the card differently. But nevertheless, I liked how the card was built, like I said. I thought most of the matches met or exceeded expectations with only really one, I think, falling below. And yeah, so as of tonight, I'm sitting at that 90 out of 100, barely an A minus, but I could easily fall right into that B plus range. Either way though, Chris, for me, it exceeded my expectations coming from a B in the pre-show. Yeah, and I mean, not gonna lie, I was watching this alongside the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, and you probably were as well. I was, absolutely. For our job. So maybe I didn't get as sucked into matches as much as I normally would. But when I look at pay-per-views at the end, I say, all right, what how many things happened? How many, you know, stories shifted, advanced title changes of that kind? And really it was just Brock. Everything else is either moving forward as expected or didn't have much story to begin with. So and it, it actually it's funny. WWE posted on Instagram, I was scrolling, a video of Brock posing with a fan on his way out. So he's really embracing like the full-on he, uh, face Brock Lesnar here. So I don't, I don't think Brock Big E is something that's going to work or they're going to do so. But but I'm, I'm curious to see what they do. I hope we get Brock on TV on Monday Night Raw most, most weeks. He's been very fun, you know. Um, so we'll we'll have to wait and see on that. But But that's kind of the biggest thing moving forward here is now – what do we what do we get out of the main event, the, the 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 WWE title and the Universal title pictures moving forward? That's a big question coming out. Also, okay. day one, day one overall, first time we have this, it's kind of frustrating because again we do college football. But what did you think of the concept? 
Um, it was a solid concept. I'll tell you that the Atlanta crowd, we didn't really talk about them, hot as hell. Yeah. yeah. For a New Year's Day crowd in a major city, they called the show sold out. I don't think they sold it to capacity, but in terms of their setup, they sold every ticket. I think it was 99% distributed, and I'm sure they had they got rid of whatever they had left. Um, so real huge credit to the Atlanta crowd that treated it like a major show. I think WWE booked it maybe not like a stadium show, like one of their four tentpole pay-per-views, but they put a lot of good matches and they gave us really good wrestling with clean finishes on the show. So if you're going to give us that same type of idea every year where you say like, hey, we're going to set the stage for the year and put on a banger pay-per-view, A minus B plus doesn't really matter. Uh, uh, you know, again, we missed the main event. We didn't get the big match that was supposed to close the show. And who knows what we, how good the fatal foray would have been if we had Reigns and Lesnar. You know, we don't know how we would have felt coming out of it. Um, but plans did change on the day of the show and they still delivered a fantastic pay-per-view. So I like mm -hmm. the idea. Most years, you know, I have to assume January 1st is not going to fall on a Saturday or a Sunday. I presume WWE would not do it on a Sunday going directly up against the NFL, but maybe they would. Right. Um, so most years, this is going to be a, a difficult show to do uh, on this day. I don't know if they'll well, also, yeah. I don't also, know if they'll I do in like, if it's January 4th, I don't know if they'll do day one on January 4th. Maybe they will. Um, yeah. January, January 1st, 2023 is a Sunday. It's a Sunday. So they it's technically could do it next year. But it would be NFL week sixteen or seventeen. I think seventeen. I guess it wouldn't be. I guess it wouldn't be playoff. They. I mean, they go up against NFL during the season all time. But they are trying not to. WWE is moving at least fifty percent of its pay per views off of Sundays onto Saturdays yeah. this year. That's not only for because of the NFL. The NFL ends obviously. Um, but WWE is trying to split its pay per views between Saturday and Sunday. I guess next year, day one on January first, they would probably do it. I have to assume. But go like while I'm talking and uh, maybe I'll stall a little bit here. Look up 2024. I'm kind of curious when January 1st falls on 2024. The question is, can you make this happen every year, knowing that you still want to get Royal Rumble in at the latest by the first week of February? Also, next year, um, December 31st, if they wanted to do that, that is the day of the Peach Bowl, uh, which is in Atlanta, the football bowl game. Um, oh, so they'd have the crowd there. You'd ask them to stay for a day. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, Possible. It, it'd be a lot. Also, January 1st, 2024 is Monday. So, so there Monday you go. So you couldn't do it in 2024. Then you're talking about we're, doing it on the 8th. Yeah. So we're probably not getting a probably not getting a day one branded pay-per-view. Or maybe they just call it that and they do it on January 8th. I mean, or, unless they unless they decide to do it against the NFL next year, which again they do, so it's possible. So we'll see. yeah, sixth or seventh it would be. Sorry, not the eighth, but um, yeah. So anyway, I, I do think the concept worked. The idea of doing day one, four weeks later, doing Royal Rumble, four weeks is plenty of time, um, and then only one pay per view between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. That's a great idea. Now, if it's a Saudi show, a Blood Money in the Sand show, I don't necessarily love that, but it's kind of better than shoving two pay-per-views in there, Elimination Chamber and Fastlane. It always felt like it was too much. Uh, one yeah. of them last year, maybe, or the year before, had two weeks of build, which was absolutely ridiculous. So I'd much rather more time between shows and put some big matches on TV than shove two pay-per-views into a six-week period of time. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, don't want the Saudi show, but one show in between Rumble and Mania is good because the whole point of Rumble is to build a Mania. So holding holding the Rumble till the end of January, I think is is a good way to go. They'll just have to keep it up a, away from the NFL playoffs, probably, which I, I'm sure they want to keep doing. Yeah, that. I don't I don't know how they're going to do that, but or or they do it on a alternate day. I, I don't know if that's conference. I guess NFL playoffs. I guess NFL playoffs are Saturday and Sunday, so it doesn't really make. Yeah, sense. but that weekend there's a chance it's conference championship weekend, and if it is, then they could do it Saturday and both games are on Sunday. I'm not exactly sure. Um, well, is it NFL playoffs don't they do one game Saturday and then one game mid Sunday? I don't think Saturday for the, night. I don't think for conference championship weekend they do. Yeah, I thought it was one was it was because yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Saturday night and then mid Sunday. I think is what they do. So I don't know. Well, I'll Long tell way, you right year now. Um, well, for the NFL playoffs this year, just to clarify, and, and the goal, I guess, would probably be to do the same thing in the future. Uh, both conference championship games are on Sunday, January 30th. So Royal Rumble is on okay. Saturday, the day preceding it. That's why WWE did it. They get it on their own. But there's also two weeks between the championship games and the Super Bowl. So WWE could do their Royal Rumble on the Saturday of conference championship weekend, or if scheduling was an issue or whatever the case, they could do it, you know, one week in between, basically. So they could figure Wait, out would a that, way to have their own weekend. Yeah. But that would be in February, probably, right? It would be the first week of February. Yeah. Yeah. So one or the other, those are the options that they have. But okay, we can worry about that uh, for next year, because this year's already booked. WWE knows their schedule, and we will be back here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast with an ultimate preview, a live show on Twitter Spaces, and an instant analysis four weeks from tonight for WWE Royal Rumble. As far as what is coming up this week, we will be back very soon on Tuesday with our latest WWE episode. We're going to talk about everything that happens Monday night on Raw. Chris, I have, you know, truly no idea what is going to happen on Raw. Outside of like maybe the mid-card um, uh, championship, the uh, what do they have over there? The U.S. championship with Damian Priest, I guess, and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, same with SmackDown this week, obviously, Shinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn. I really have no idea what else is going to happen. We lost the women's title challenger over on SmackDown. Roman Reigns may not be on the show. There's a new champion on the Raw brand. Uh, the other titles didn't change hands. They need new challengers. I don't know what's about to happen on Raw legitimately. That kind of makes me excited for the show. It also gives WWE a true chance to reset now that the road to WrestleMania is basically about to begin. So we will be back on Tuesday. Like I said, we'll talk Raw. We'll do a mailbag. We'll do whatever we can to talk about WWE. Then we will be back on Thursday uh, to talk AEW, uh, the second half, I believe, of New Year's Smash. Also, the debut of Dynamite on TBS and NXT New Year's Evil, which out of nowhere became a stacked card this Tuesday night on USA Network. So two pretty big shows still coming up this week, coming out of a fantastic four-show week. Folks, if you did not hear our Getting Over Awards, a.k.a. the Meaties, make sure you go back and listen to the 2021 Year in Review Award Show. Also, don't forget we had an AEW and NXT episode this past Thursday as well, so be sure to listen to that. That is your full preview for New Year's Evil, along with what's going to happen in AEW this week. So tons of Getting Over Wrestling podcasts for you to listen to in the first week of 2022. I thank you all for joining us. Do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Remember that Getting Over... Leave a five-star rating and review for us. 
Also, do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And if you're a new listener, subscribe wherever you are listening to us right now. We can't wait to be with you for another year of professional wrestling audio. For Vintage Chris Benini, this is the Silver King Adam Silverstein, starting off 2022 with a bang and leaving you with three final words tonight. Bye for now.